Welcome to the NBA Coast to Coast podcast brought to you by TheLions.com. I'm your host, Nate Weitzer, taking on host duties for the week with Josh Lander on vacation. And I'm happy to be joined by Mo Nawara here for a second straight day here, uh, eight game slate on Thursday. And we came off a pretty good Wednesday night, five and three overall, three and one in the best bets and got some plus money bets in there. The Lakers pulling out the win thanks to some LeBron heroics with Luka getting the triple double in that Mavs win. Uh, nice payouts if you tailed any of those. Uh, we're right back to the grindstone here. Like and subscribe. Follow along. We will have videos up each and every weekday throughout the regular season. Josh will be back soon. But for now, Mo, what is your first pick uh, for this Thursday slate? Well, I went back to the well with the Denver Nuggets. Um, they did come through perhaps a bit lucky yesterday in the sense of uh, definitely thought De'Aaron Fox was going to go, ended up not going. So caught a bit of a break there. I uh, didn't see where that closed as I wasn't at, wasn't at my computer when, when markets were closing up. But I still think the market is just not high enough on the Nuggets. Um, it's, it's kind of a, a, an interesting spot here because they are back-to-backing against the Heat, which are not. Um, but the Heat are also in a bad spot in a couple of ways. So I think that mitigates this. They are on a third and four games here. And also, uh, last game of a West Coast road trip, that's kind of traditionally um, a flatter spot, usually last game before you go home from these road trips. So I think it mitigates it a a bit. And uh, I also am looking at this Miami injury report. Uh, No... Josh Richardson, no Kevin Love, probably no Tyler Hero. <clears throat> so that's affecting how I'm looking at this game in a couple of ways. Uh, overall, I think that really, like none of those players are necessarily a guy who's massively moving the needle by themselves. But when you chip away at the depth this much, and you're talking about a Nuggets team where the weak point has been the bench, right? So I I think that helps the Nuggets bench quite a bit as far as like they're probably not going to be exploited as much as they might normally in a matchup like this. Um, I also like that the Nuggets were up big against the Kings. You know, I I know that early on was a bit of a struggle, but they ended up up 10 at half and then they were up like 25 going into the fourth. Like, I I don't think they're going to be as gassed as they might be on a lot of back to backs. So Uh, that helps them as well here. I know I said that about the Pelicans yesterday and things didn't go well for them at the end, but, but that could have been a close game as well. You know, final couple minutes just seemed like it, it got out of hand in a hurry. Um, we've also seen, you know, when these teams matched up in the finals last year, uh, obviously no answer for Nikola Jokic as good as Bam is giving up a lot of size there. Jokic should have a big game here. I mean, who does have an answer, but uh, yeah, th- this line is telling me these teams are quite close. I think the Nuggets are quite a bit better than the Heat when they're, uh, you know, on their game. So I do think minus five is a bit short. Yeah, and I mean, I- I'm I'm with you on this in the sense that I think the Nuggets are going to have their way on offense in the sense that I think both teams are tired based on the schedule. So I'll take the over 213 and a half seems like a very low number. I mean, Part of that is the respect the Heat get, right, defensively. I mean, this this spread is the respect they're getting now that they're on a roll. Again, one seven of eight, absolutely elite defensive numbers everywhere. But, like, Nikola Jokic balls those numbers up and 
throws them in the trash. Like he he's just absolutely a problem for everybody, including Bam. Um, has three triple doubles in his last five regular season against the Heat. All five of those have gone over because the Nuggets have dragged them over, scoring 118 a game with incredible shooting splits in, in these four out of the all-star break. They are even more incredible with their shooting right now. 123 points, 36 assists at about 100 pace. Um, 98% of their three-pointers are off assists, and they're just moving the ball beautifully. That's how you beat the Heat. You get good looks by by being patient and, and moving the ball around here. They score eight more points at home, 119. And uh, Miami gives up 116 in losses. So if you are following Mo's logic here, saying a bit of a flat spot, a bit of a tired spot for them at the end of this road trip, we've seen them kind of let go of the rope defensively, like give up 123 all of a sudden out of the blue when they're in the middle of these hot streaks. And I think Denver Denver plus the over might might hit here in terms of Denver just scoring like 118 and getting us over. What's a what's a relatively low total? Um, so that's pretty much the look for me. What's your second pick, Mo? Yeah, it's interesting uh, you say that uh, overall because this is a spot where, <laughs> I mean, two great teams, but two of the slowest teams. So I think that's kind of what's driving this total. But it is really low, man. Uh, yeah. Yeah. My my next one, I went with the Magic. Not quite as confident in this one. Uh, looks like. It's starting to go up. I there was still a minus six, minus one twelve, I believe, at FanDuel. That was the last minus six out of the sports book sports books we track. Make sure you go over to the lines.com and do some line shopping. Has gone up to six and a half most places. Um, they are at home facing the Jazz. Utah just really seems to be in a funk, man. I mean, they're playing some really ugly basketball right now. 26th in spread differential the past two weeks. Um, they just got crushed by the shorthanded Hawks. The only team they've beaten in like their past six games was the Spurs. I just think the Jazz are not only sputtering in the basketball sense, but I just think when like the team sells off pieces... And just, you know, I, I think there can be a, a vibe at that point where everyone kind of just sees the writing on the wall where the season's going. Uh, not always handicapping by vibes over here, but I really think when, like you, you saw it last last year down the stretch with the Jazz where they just, they knew what management wanted. Um, and it was just like, it's hard to get excited, get up for these games. I think in those spots when you know where the season's headed. Uh, scoring has been a major issue for the Jazz. Uh, I, I think that's obvious when you look at this roster. Just not a lot of playmaking. Um, putting Taylor Hendricks out there, which I think is obviously very good for the long term and necessary, right? Because like you want to see what your number eight, number nine, I can't remember exactly where he went. Overall pick is going to let him develop, you know, let him make some mistakes. But at the same time, that's that's not helping you win right now, which is what we're concerned with with this spread. Um, you have that sort of an offense, which is lacking in playmaking, facing a Magic team that's just that's just ridden their defense all year, right? Their fifth in defensive efficiency. Uh, I, I think Utah is going to probably have quite a bit of trouble scoring in this spot. Uh, Lowry Markinen just finding a lot of bodies in his way right now. Um, teams not really respecting the other players on this team for, for good reason for the most part. And, and Lowry, unfortunately, while 
He is a great player who has done amazing work for my fantasy team the last few years. You know, the fact of the matter is he's not a good, he's not a good playmaker. So uh, when he is seeing these bodies, he's not necessarily exploiting the defense the way somebody like LeBron or Nikola Jokic, these guys who have the vision of the floor, you know, when they are seeing extra defenders, they're not finding Lowry's not going to be able to find shooters and they are a bit deficient, obviously in that department anyways. So yeah, I, I think the magic maybe should be a bit higher. I had I had them uh, minus seven and a half, I believe, in this spot. So uh, not like a edge that I'm, you know, doing backflips to bet, but I, it was a small play for me. Yeah, it might be down a little because Paolo's legit questionable, right? Um, and but I, I I have faith in the magic exactly riding their defense here. Jazz have been so awful on the road, especially offensively. Uh, yeah, no shot creation, shooting 32% in these four straight road losses for them. Not not even like withering a cover here. So I think if they lose, yeah, it, it should be by at least seven. Um, <clears throat> if that's where the spread winds up, no problem taking the magic here in that spot. Uh, last one, let's go to the Atlanta Hawks playing without Trey and really more of a fade of the Brooklyn Nets, I guess. But you get the Hawks plus one and a half at Brooklyn. Brooklyn has no home court advantage whatsoever. Like maybe, maybe they're the LA Chargers of the NBA at this point. The other the 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 fans are rooting for the other team as much as them. Uh, they've lost nine of their last twelve at home, and three of their uh, seven of their last ten overall. They seem like a broken team, especially on offense. Like worst numbers across the league here, averaging 99, 16 free throw attempts, one hundred four offensive rating. Mikel Bridges thrust into the number one role has been very disappointing all year, 97 offensive rating in this span, shooting 29% from deep and Cam Thomas missed for the first time since November in their last game. They scored 81 against this Orlando magic team. We're talking about Mikel was a minus 28 with four points. And when you throw extra defensive attention at him, it seems he's even more in over his head. Like, I mean, he's a great number three, probably an okay. Number two for him to be your number one guy. It's just not really going to work. And I mean, Hawks is a classic bet stars out bets up situation that that is an NBA model to live by at times. Trey Young, it's not to say Trey Young is a bad player or that they're long term going to be better off without Trey, maybe the rest of the regular season. But there is an an initial lift here with guys trying harder, trying to prove themselves, touching the ball more, more engaged on both sides of the ball. That's we see an, an incredible shift in their defensive performance in these first two without Trey. 95 defensive rating, also way more assists, better shooting from deep. Some of that is aided by playing smaller with more Jalen Johnson at the at the five, even because Okongu's out. Uh, with DeAndre Hunter coming back, he's been excellent in his last five, getting 21 a game. I, I would go back to the Jalen Johnson props here again because he's a playmaker without Trey. And, you know, he he can guard Claxton if they do go small, and Claxton probably can't stick with him on the perimeter or at least compromises the Nets' interior defense if he has to get out there on Jalen. So, I I mean, the Hawks are now 4-3 and three without Trey, despite some pretty weak DeJounte Murray performances. You expect him to kind of take off <clears throat> at some point here as, as a primary ball handler, but their defense is, is going to be average at least, which instead of 30th without him out there. I mean, imagine that you take one of the worst defenders in the league off the floor and you're okay on that end of the floor. And if you can be average against the nets, you can apparently hold them around a hundred or less. And 
I think the Hawks can can outscore them here in a, in what's a neutral site, basically. Yeah, this is an interesting one. I mean, I I had this line about where it is, but this Nets team, if this Nets team is as broken as they look, I mean, that can't be right. But it's just weird how much you how much do you want to give the weight to the season long numbers? I'm with you on uh, how the Hawks are looking without Trey. I, I think it's legitimate. I, I don't think it's bad luck or like you even said it, it's not even to say anything one way or the other about Trey as a player. Just he doesn't have any synergy with DeJounte Murray. So they both uh, look like better players when the other one is off the floor. Uh, and uh, I, I like your Jalen Johnson look as well. I was considering him for player props. I didn't dive in too deep, but maybe something like uh, over on assists or over points, rebounds, assists, something like that, because uh, I do think he rates as one of their best playmakers right now, uh, especially without Trey. So uh, we could see him handling the rock and, and this Nets team, it's just a disaster right now. I don't know how they fix it. I, I don't know if this is, a new coach thing or what's going on an adjustment period, but something seems really wrong. And I could not bet money on the nets doing anything positive at this point until they start to show some positive momentum on the court. Yeah. Jalen Johnson, 26 and a half points, rebounds or, or four more assists, 30 PRA. Yeah. Those are great picks. We'll just make that a bonus lean here. We've been hitting him pretty consistently in player props all season, his last three without Trey, he's averaging 38 PRA, 21 and 11. So uh, I would maybe think more rebounds with the Nets offense out there, throwing up some clunkers, but the, everything should be there for him as as really the 1A playmaker next to DeJounte. So Mo, let's go ahead and run right into your first pick here on Thursday slate. So to get started, um, uh, not a very surprising pick i think to anybody who's been paying attention to uh nba of late but i did go with mikkel bridges under 23 and a half points a bit surprised honestly to see the line this high uh when you're talking about a guy who has a season-long number of just a hair over 21 points per game um i think the number is just overly baking in an atlanta defense that has been atrocious. I think they're second worst in the NBA. Um, but that obviously is not really the case right now. Um, Trey Young out for, like you said, in the um, <clears throat> regular big markets show, possibly out for the season. The Atlanta defense, so they're 20th percentile uh, on the season. So that's obviously really bad. Okay, you take Trey Young out, uh, run the lineups. They're actually forty second percentile, so they're like fine. I, I mean, just a, a bit below average. Obviously, still not good, but fine. And fine is a lot different than you know one of the worst in the NBA. Um, so I think this number is just overly baking in that everybody was scoring one forty on the Hawks for four months, right? <laughs> when they had uh, their normal lineup and. I think also maybe a, a little bit too much baking in like no Cam Thomas. Um, but you have Mikel Bridges like really straining under the weight of, of primary creation. Uh, he just isn't up to the task, you know, uh, without 
Cam, I, I mean, he had four points in the last game. Like, and you even look past that since the break, he has not come close to this aside from one game where he scored 21. Um, beyond that, he had 15, 11, and then that four point game we both referenced. So I think this line is just too high and I'm not sure why the market thinks Mikel Bridges is going to be a 25 point a game guy right now, because I just don't see it. Yeah. Well, it's because of the Hawks reputation and because Cam Thomas is out. And in this exact situation, way back in November, Mikel had 45 at Atlanta in that crazy, I think double overtime game. Otherwise, though, he's only gotten over this once in in eight without Cam Thomas. His efficiency has suffered. Uh, We talked about how the Hawks are playing much better defense in a small sample so far without Trey. So it's definitely possible they hold them down. I like the Hawks to win the game, uh, which will definitely involve, you know, him being the primary task here. There's just not a lot of other creation for the Nets. I mean, Dennis Schroeder now stepping in for Dinwiddie. As, as your primary ball handler, it's just, it, it's not really an upgrade in terms of setting up bridges for success. So my first pick here will be Chet Holmgren over 25 and a half points and rebounds. If you want to just take the 16 and a half points, I think that's good. I think he's just going to be aggressive here going right at Wemby um, because, you know, this, this matchup could go a long way towards rookie of the year, which I think both guys care about. And because, you know, Chet's just a guy who likes to go at people and not back down and block shots if people are going at him. We saw this the first time they met, and he did creep over it with 17-9. and That was on a back-to-back, though. And Chet plays far less on back-to-backs. He gets lower usage. Uh, basically, if he's not on a back-to-back or facing Orlando, he's gone over this total in like eight to 10 straight. Uh, He's been very productive. The four out of the all-star break with a little extra rest, 22 and 10 a game on 62, 48% splits usage rate creeping up 24%. That's about where he was at when he played Wemby. He's shooting 50% on catch and shoots uh, inside and outside the arc. So, OKC, Wemby's a good defender, but like OKC should be able to move that thing and get the Spurs bad defenders in in rotation and Chet will be knocking things down and the rebounding has also gone up in these last four 15 and a half rebound chances OKC stood pat at the deadline they said you know Chet's our guy he's going to anchor the defensive glass and he has stepped up 40 percent of those uh, rebounds have been contested so he is doing the job Spurs are are not a great offensive team there should be rebounding opportunities and uh, I just think he'll be gunning for this one uh, based on the matchup I mean, he for sure will. Um, he's definitely will be. I'm not sure. Uh, I didn't dive too deep into any of the numbers in this game, really. Uh, but I guess my primary concern in this would be a possible blowout here. Obviously, you do have OKC as double-digit favorites on the road here. Um, Spurs have really been struggling. I felt pretty fortunate to get them to the window the other day. I think they were plus 12.5 against Minnesota and they were down 20 a lot of that game and and cleaned it up in the fourth for a late cover. That would probably be my main concern here. Um, I I wouldn't be too worried about the matchup with Wemby. He's obviously great, but man, Chet is amazing at, at keeping his fouls low. So that that's really important here. He's only averaging 2.6 fouls per game. So that's, that's really nice when you are looking at a, a matchup where he's going to be stretched on defense for sure. So uh, yeah, just very excited for this matchup uh, as a fan and uh, hoping 
for a big Wemby performance to lock up rookie of the year because laid some some decent juice there in the preseason. Yeah, Thunder are off till Sunday after this. So take that with whatever, you know, account for that however you want. I, I don't know how that necessarily affect things, but it should allow Chet to play plenty of minutes. It's not like they have a big game on the second leg or anything here. So what is your second pick here for Thursday slate? So this is kind of a weird one just in the sense of the juice uh, is very high. You're going to have to swallow some chalk if you want to fire this one. Uh, quite, I, I don't know, not not one that I usually, not, not, I, I'm not usually looking to, to pay this sort of juice on these, these props, but Jimmy Butler over four and a half assists is minus 127. It is as high as like minus 145, depending on where you're looking. Uh, I think that's right though. I mean, I honestly think the number should just be higher. I, I just looking at the way the Miami heat are playing on offense and the injuries they have right now uh, with hero most likely out. And I think replacing Kyle Lowry, who's definitely looking to be more of a facilitator slash standstill shooter these days with Terry Rogier, who is um, a better player at this point, but wouldn't be someone I would call like a big time creator um, below the 50th percentile assist rate for a point guard, which he's definitely uh, more of a combo guard at times. But right now with the heat being classified as a point guard, I think rightfully so. Um, and, and Jimmy Butler just, he can do whatever because he's Jimmy Butler. Like he's just the most, uh, one of those stars who can, can just be in whatever role you need him to, you know? And, and one thing that he has been doing is picking up the slack on the playmaking, uh, past four games, nine, six, 11, and eight assists. So flying past this number. Um, I, I think maybe one of the things that's keeping this number down is the pace, you have two of the bottom four in pace in this game. But I actually think that could help Jimmy get some assists here because if there's not as much transition, you're looking at more of a half-court game on both ends. So in the half-court game is where I really expect him to be operating as kind of the de facto point guard on a lot of possessions. So um, even a guy like Kevin Love being out, like he's a good ball mover. He you know, that, that just means more, more need for Jimmy to create offense for other players, basically. So, uh, I know that the nuggets can be very good on defense at times, specifically when they have a lot of their, you know, better defenders out like Aaron Gordon, like even like a Peyton Watson, kind of these bigger, more athletic players, but, um, it'll be interesting to see how, how they try to go after Jimmy. I, I mean, I think, usually trying to keep Aaron Gordon one-on-one -on -one and just trusting him, which maybe does hurt this if that ends up being the case. But I just think there's so much need for him to create on offense with these injuries and such right now. And you're seeing that in the numbers and the market still sitting basically near his season long assist number here. So I think still some room to, to bet this over. Maybe Aaron Gordon helps because at least, you know, Jimmy's not just going to be able to bully somebody and get points. Like he's going to have to kick it out a lot. They're, the Nuggets are probably going to live with Caleb Barton hoisting threes. And it's just, yeah, a question of whether he's going to make them or not, whether Jimmy gets those assists. Uh, he does average 8.2 assists in his last five regular season against the Nuggets. So that theory seems to check out. Yeah, we're flying over this number lately. Last pick for me, 
Trey Mann and the Charlotte Hornets, they are now home against the Bucks after getting waxed in Milwaukee. But Trey still had 16 points in that one, and I'll say over 12.5 for him in the rematch. Uh, Milwaukee's defense is obviously far worse on the road, a little bit better under Doc defensively overall, but still in these eight under Doc, allowing 113, bottom 10 rebounding team. If you want to tack on the points, the PRA would be 20 and a half. I was waffling back and forth between adding those because Trey is averaging, you know, 10.2 rebounds assists so far with Charlotte, including seven and seven at home. He's also averaging nearly 14 points in these three home with him. And really, it's just about the matchup. I mean, Bucks give up the fourth most points to point guards this season because teams just go right at Dame Lillard. There's just no no defense at the point of attack. Even in the blowout, Trey had 16 on a 23% usage rate. He was just going right back and attacking Dame. And expect to see more of the same here. Bucks are missing a couple guys. They're missing Middleton, pretty good uh, defender on the wing. And, you know, that might put some other guys into the lineup like campaign a little bit easier to work against for sure on the perimeter, but really it's just the Hornets now back home, probably going to score more than 85. Uh, they were playing pretty well before that blowout. And I think Trey man's a big part of their future. So they'll, they'll be fine letting him attack Dame all night. I mean, you look at this last box score. I, I think this is really encouraging for you. <laughs> like th- this probably means it's blowout proof. <laughs> I mean, if they're down 45, literally, I think they were down something like that. And he still gets 33 minutes. Obviously, that's as encouraging as it gets from a, from a minutes and, and at least a chance at production standpoint. And, and like you said, a premium matchup against Dame who, who can't guard the door. So uh, I like this look. I'm a little bit sad that I wasn't able to scoop Trey Mann off the wire fast enough in my fantasy league. Uh, I really wanted to once I saw what kind of numbers and, and production he was getting, but someone was quicker than me. So uh, maybe I'll just fire this and try to make myself feel better. Yeah, there's few guys worth spending the fab for in fantasy basketball. But after the trade deadline, it was like, OK, I got to I got to fire here. To get this guy, he's he's going to be averaging like 13, 7, and 7 the rest of the way. And that's what it appears to be. That is all the time we have for you today. Like and subscribe. We will be back tomorrow, next week, and throughout the rest of the regular season with player props and best bets. So until we see you next, happy betting.